It's Shaletta Brundage. And my title is Boss Lady, baby. Boss Lady. Two words, not hyphenated. They don't go together. <laughs> so <laughs> what inspired you to become a boss lady? I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I really wanted to just get um, a job as a primetime radio personality. That was my dream. That was number 47 on my vision board, become the new WCCO morning show host. And that's what I was working towards. You know, I was coming in early, leaving late, uh, filling in for my coworkers um, when they called in sick, coming up with initiatives and things that, you know, we could do out in the community, finding sponsors, everything I could do to show my bosses that if, Ever a time came that I was the one, I was the one to pick, you know, and, um, you know, opportunities kept coming up um, at the radio station where I was working and they kept passing me over for promotions. And so I was like, OK, I'm just going to try harder. And I kept trying harder and I kept doing more and more and more. And again, positions will come open and it, it still wasn't enough. And so um, I remember walking out of the radio station one day after meeting with my bosses about why I wasn't the one they keep kept picking. Um, and I looked on the wall and in the 97 year history of the radio station, they had never hired a woman of color for a primetime spot. And I'm like, in 97 years, have black women not been able to master the English language and talk uh, politics, pop culture and sports for a couple of hours, you know, with the, the great people um, in the great state of Minnesota, you know, and, and that's when I realized I was never going to be enough. I was never going to be good enough. I was never going to be educated enough. I was never going to be well-versed enough for them. But I knew that I had something more special than an overnight weekend producer position. Um, so I just stepped out on faith and bet on myself and, and bet that people would fall in love with me and, and bet that people would follow me wherever I went, whether it was, you know, on a CBS radio station or my podcast or on Twitter or Facebook, that wherever I went, um, those folks who love me, those fans that are loyal to me would follow. And they did. And, and so I created a podcasting platform um, called ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com, where I have my own voice and I'm able to give a voice to other people. And, you know, initially it wasn't supposed to be everybody else. That's why it's not called We Makes Me Laugh. It's called Shaletta Makes Me Laugh because it was just supposed to be my podcast, my platform, all about me and my kids and my books and my experiences in life. But I kept hearing from Black subject experts in Minnesota who said, Shaletta, you know, we heard you starting a podcast network. We won't end. And I said, I'm not starting a podcast network. I am starting a podcast for myself. And they were like, no, you got to do it because we want um, to join forces with you. We want to be under your umbrella. I'm like, there's no umbrella. There's not even, it's not raining. I haven't put anything up. This is my stuff. But I kept hearing from so many people, um, therapists and financial experts and fitness experts and empowerment experts and travel uh, divas. And so I said, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm not a business person. I didn't have a business account. I didn't have an LLC. I didn't have a tax ID number. But baby, we stepped out on February 1st, 2020 in honor of Black History Month with a Black-owned podcast network, 11 subject experts, three licensed professional therapists, and a PhD. How you like them apples? 
Well, and uh, I saw you were on the cover of the Star Tribune, which is huge in, in the Twin Cities. Uh, how did that feel? You know, it was great. It was amazing. It was really a coup. Okay, because Rachel Hudden and God bless her, baby, that writer put her whole foot and two pinky toes in that article. Okay, <laughs> she really just she came here and it and, and shut it all the way down. And so what happened was she was supposed to come over here and do just a variety story about me. Um, it was supposed to be about my family and my businesses and, and what I do, because a lot of people who know me um, from the book publishing world don't know that I have podcasts and the people that know me in the podcasting world don't know that I'm, you know, doing a radio show and the people who know that I'm on radio don't necessarily know that, you know, I have a full production company and, and I do commercials for Comcast and, and Brimmer Bank and, you know, hy and, you know, uh, Camping World and General Mills and Target. And, and those folks don't know that I've been a broadcaster for 23 years. And she said, you know, I, I, I keep hearing your name in, in a bunch of different circles and everybody knows a little bit about you, but not everything. We're going to do one article. We're going to wrap it all up, put a bow on it so everybody will know what you're all about. And I want to come and spend the day with you so we can talk. And I said, listen, sister, uh, I got four kids. I got an ex-husband and she got a girlfriend that keep coming by here. So. Uh, you're going to have to follow me around. So you go into the post office, you go into the school. We got to cuss out a teacher or two. We got to go and make sure the high schooler actually rode his bike to school and then stop off at McDonald's. So we got some stalking to do. Then you're going to come over here. We're going to do some laundry. Then I got some business meetings. So yeah, you're going to be busy. Um, so I don't have time to sit here with you and sip my tea slow and, you know, talk and pontificate about life. Your ass is going to be moving. And so when she came over here, and when she was done with me, her wig was on crooked. She was, it was, the hair was just like hanging. She was like, okay, I think I have enough for the story. And and so we got done um, with the article. And like I said, she was here on like a Monday in September. It was supposed to come out that Sunday. And she got back to her editor and they called and said, we're holding the story. We're going to put it on the front page of our quarterly magazine. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, how did that feel after, like, I've been in broadcasting for 20 years and you said 23. Like, how did it feel that, you know, you are getting the attention after, you know, all that work put into it? Um, It's a blessing. It's a blessing that God finally is able to trust me with the gift that he gave me all those years ago. You know, had had this happened when I was uh, 21 and not 51, I'd have crashed and burned and messed it up by now. Um, but I understand the responsibility that goes along with the gift. And so now I'm finally able to use it the way that, you know, God designed for me to use it when he first gave it to me. And, and so, you know, it is a blessing um, to be able to see the, the, the fruits finally come up from the seeds that I've planted many, many years ago. But, you know, as an African-American woman, a lot of times our opportunities, um, our accomplishments, you know, the things that we do go unnoticed. Um, and, and so, you know, I look at someone like Katherine Johnson. 
you know, the NASA scientist who single-handedly saved the space mission and nobody said anything for 47 years until the movie Hidden Figures came out. Right. And then once the movie came out, everybody wants to give her awards and accolades. This woman in a wheelchair, she got one foot on a banana peel and one foot on the grave. She don't even know her own name. Why did it take 47 years for anybody to recognize her? All those white guys who sat there and watched her and those black women save that space station said nothing for decades. They never gave those women any credit. And, you know, I never watched the movie Hidden Figures because I knew the story. Right. Because I'm from Houston. So I know and understand NASA history. And I always got pissed off when I thought about these brilliant, beautiful black female scientists and, and what they did to save NASA and to save lives and to save that mission and how their accomplishments went unnoticed. They weren't at school assemblies. They're not on the wall. They weren't on the wall until the movie came out. Nobody said anything about these women. And I said, you know what? You're not going to get to Katherine Johnson and me. I am going to always have my own spotlight and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm going to come into the room and I'm going to always be the most famous person in whatever room I'm in. If you want to be famous and you walk in my room, you better find another room because I'm sucking all the fame out of the room. I'm coming in with a horn and I'm going to toot my own accomplishments. Because what this told me and what this taught me is that nobody is going to clap for me. It is up to me to clap for myself. And if you got a problem with me clapping, you better close your ears. If you got a problem with me shining, you better put some shades on because I'm always going to make sure you know how fabulous I am. That's my job. So I'm not going to wait to die for you to put me a statue up hell. I might put one up in my own damn yard and, uh, and, and, and celebrate me. And I want other women, um, especially women of color, to take that um, mantle, to take on that responsibility of not waiting for somebody else to tout your accomplishments, not waiting for somebody else to pat you on the back, pat your own damn self on the back, clap for yourself, celebrate you. And, and then the world will eventually join in. Not only, you know, you are having that success, you're bringing people with you and amplifying their voices. How important is it to, you know, get that far plus bring people with you? You know, that's why I got the light. You know, that's why, you know, I've, I've been given this gift, you know, and I tell black female entrepreneurs all the time. If I got a light, you got a light. If I got a stage, you got a stage. If I got a voice, you got a voice. You know, I, I can't go in there and, and just get something for me and my family and leave. And then, you know, look around and I've got, you know, other female entrepreneurs or moms who are struggling. You know, and, and then close my door and not give them an opportunity. You know, the state of Minnesota had a $17 billion surplus, billion with a B. And I said, you know, they need to get this money to small black business owners. Right. So for Black History Month, you know, I put out a Facebook post and said, hey, meet me at the Capitol. We're going to have Black Entrepreneurs Day. Um, and the governor and lieutenant governor and the attorney general and, you know, the state auditor and so many other legislators, Kerry Dietzik, the Senate ma majority leader, uh, they all met with the 247 black business owners who were there present and accounted for. And they heard their concerns and, and they talked to them about what, where they can find financial and social capital to help sustain their businesses. Now, listen, I can go in there and reach in the governor's pocket and find some money if I want to and come back home. But what good is that access? 
What good is that social capital if I can't make something better for somebody else? That's why I've got the gift. That's why I have the platform. And the moment that I stop using it to help other people is the moment that I'm going to lose it. Going back to being an author, uh, can you tell me about you not being the only author in your family? Yes, honey. My children are just amazing. So, you know, I never wanted to be a children's book author. That was not on my bingo card. But my daughter was so tired of not finding books in the library with characters on the cover that looked like her. And she loves to read. And so one day she said, Mom, can I just have white skin? And I said, why do you want white skin? And she said, because I just want to look like all the characters in my book. She wanted something to identify with in these books, in these stories. And there was nothing that was familiar to her. And I went marching down to the library and I said, I'm going to cuss out this librarian because she needs to have more books in there about little black girls with autism. And she said, Miss Brundage, if you want me to have a book about a little black girl with autism, you better write one. Because your daughter is more likely to find a book about a big red dog, a big yellow bird, or a dump truck than she is about a little black girl with autism. So I came home and my daughter and I wrote Cameron Goes to School, the story of how she actually went to school on the first day of kindergarten. At the time, she was nonverbal, very autistic, severely socially awkward and did not speak for the first six months of school. They thought that she would have to learn sign language and she would never talk. But working on that book and promoting that book um, allowed her to find the confidence she needs. And would you believe that now she is no longer on the spectrum? She has tested off the spectrum and she gets no special services at school or um, privately. And that is not something that I decide. That is decided by the University of Minnesota Developmental Pediatricians at the Autism Center, where they gave her a battery of tests. Same with my son, Brandon. Um, We were on vacation in Houston. This is my favorite story in the whole wide world of tale. We were on vacation in Houston. And um, Brandon's autism always presents itself um, in, in social anxiety. He's very fearful of everything. Like he don't want to bathe because he's scared he go get sucked down in the drain. He does not want to ride his bike without the training wheels. Even though he's almost five foot tall, he's afraid he's going to fall off. And so, you know, we just, you know, um, encourage him, but we also respect his limitations. So you know what? It doesn't matter. We're going to leave these training wheels on, buddy. And whenever you're ready, we're ready. So we get down to Houston on vacation and all of a sudden he's brave and he's courageous and he's riding his bike without the training wheels. And he wants to jump off the diving board at the pool and he wants to get on his, you know, uh, older brother's hoverboard. And I'm like, okay, now he's not scared, but I'm scared. What in the world is going on? And so he said, mom, these people in Houston love me. And I said, nobody knows you. Okay. I'm sure the people are nice and they're smiling, but some of these people don't know you. He was like, mom, they have my signs everywhere. They really love me. And I said, okay, uh, this must be some kind of autism thing. And he's walking up to people like, hi, I'm Brandon. Thanks so much for being my fan. I just want to let you know I'm doing really well in school. And and I'm like, oh my God, the people are looking at me and I'm looking at the people. I'm like, sir, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what is wrong with my child. Please forgive me. And so one day we're riding around the RV park in the golf cart 
And my son said, mom, stop the RV. Do you spot it? Do you spot my sign? And I looked up and it was a let's go Brandon flag. He thought that all these people in Texas at an RV park who had these let's go Brandon flags and signs and bumper stickers had all been waiting for him to arrive and thinking that he had the encouragement of this whole group of people, this boy stopped stuttering. He no longer received special services. He has tested off the spectrum. And as a parent, and you got kids, I had a split second decision to make. It was either sit him down and tell him the true meaning of the sign, which was a derogatory slang for the president of the United States of America, or let him think that an entire RV park full of people were there to encourage him. So I did the second. And I also said, son, I don't spot your son. I spot a book. We're about to make a million dollars. And so I ran back to the RV and he and I worked on Brandon spots his son. The story of how to encourage kids who have autism. So President Joe Biden got uh, a copy of the book and sent us this letter that you see behind me. Oh, wow. Autograph to Brandon, encouraging him and telling him how proud he was of his book and to keep up the good work. Um, Brandon Brown, where the phrase originated from, his mother heard about the story in the book. They invited us to a NASCAR race in Wisconsin. My son got to go out on stage during driver introductions. He got to ride around on the first lap. He also got to push the car out onto the tracks and um, everyone in the world followed that story. It was in Washington Post, USA Today, CNN, um, Headline News, every news outlet in the world. Um, and so the book became a number one bestseller. That is amazing. And it all. That's God. That's God. Yeah. It keeps happening. It keeps happening. That's how Jesus works. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, it is. You know, sometimes just the littlest confidence makes the world the difference. I mean, and, and perspective, you know, and, and after that happened, whenever somebody asked me to come and speak somewhere about anything, you know, they said, well, what do you want to talk about? I said, the power of perspective. You know, what are you looking for when you see something? What are you trying to spot? If you go into a situation with a negative attitude and a negative perspective, that's what you're going to get. My son went in there with a completely positive perspective and a positive attitude with his little innocent autistic self. And he saw a bunch of people encouraging him and felt like he could do anything in the world. And it's so funny because everybody just fell in love with that story. And, you know, it wasn't until I heard a preacher um, that I don't even know. Somebody sent me the video, but a preacher was preaching uh, the sermon of Brandon spotting his sign and, and was talking about, you know, just changing your perspective, changing how you see things, even when it's the most negative thing, turn it into a positive. And, and so now we just really look at the power of perspective and how we see things and in how we view things and then how we share that, especially with our kids. So with the, your kids, the radio podcast uh, production company, you, you, yeah. have so, you have so much going on, but 
how do you maintain, you know, your mental health while helping others? Uh, prayer and God. I mean, really, I, I have to trust in God. There's no way for me to do what I'm doing on my own. It has to be a higher power. Um, it has to be prayer. It has to be God. It has to be my faith that, that sustains me. Because when you look at what God is allowing me to do, there's no way for me to do it without having a stroke, without having high blood pressure, without cussing and smoking menthol cigarettes with no filter and brown liquor on a regular basis. Um, you know, we are leading with light and love. We are laughing um, and, and we're setting the tone uh, of peace and love and unity. And, and that's because, you know, we, we have faith and we're grounded in, in God's word. And so I, I just really, and it ain't, it ain't all rainbows and sparkles and stuff. Okay. You know, don't think it's every day is, is, you know, we, we, we got, uh, you know, rainbows and sprinkles and stuff going on over here. You know, we, we, we go through it just like any other family, just like any other company, just like any other person. But the difference is, it's always have hope. Always know the purpose is bigger than me. Whatever the need is, God's going to supply it. Whatever the problem is, he's going to solve it. Whatever the stumbling block is, he's going to remove it. Wherever there's lack, he's going to supply the need. So so I, I don't ever try to do it on my own. You know, I, I don't. I don't ever try to do it on my own. I don't ever walk out of here without praying. I don't ever leave out of my bedroom without asking for strength uh, because it's, it's God's strength. Because look at it. Look at it. I mean, it sounds fucking exhausting and I'm still hype. I'm like, I'm on 10. Sure. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, what, what you're doing is, you know, really inspiring for someone to start, uh, you know, uh, a production company. That's what I'm trying to do. I started in 2021. And Yay! Do that! Take all the money because they ain't been paying us right for years. And they ain't been treating us right for years. You know that. You know they ain't been treating us right. That and not giving the right opportunity. So like you said, you got to take them. And that's what what I'm doing. I mean, I'm far below where you're at now. But, you know, that is my goal. Yes. And and this is the thing, too, is is we all got to start somewhere. And, you know, for us, for, for the podcast network, we work for free for a year. Nobody got no money. And nobody asked for anything. And I still marvel at that, that I got eight people on my side. I mean, I, they on my side, on my side. Like, you work for me for a year for free? And you didn't ask me for no money? Never like, where's the check coming? Or how long is it going to be? You ain't got no sponsors yet? Nothing. N- not, not a word. Not a single word. And when we did get some money, we all signed some contracts and everybody started getting paid and we just kept moving. Where do you want to see yourself in the next three to five years? Oh, my God. I told uh, my support team, I I would love to, when we come home from an RV trip, instead of spending two hours unpacking, because, you know, that's like packing and unpacking the whole house. Like, I love getting on the RV. I absolutely love it. I don't ever want to fly again in my life. I don't have to go overseas. I'm fine. I'm fine right here in the U.S. of A. I'm good right here where I am. Um, And so I would love to just continue to travel by RV. But just the thought of coming home and unpacking all of that stuff 
it gives me so much anxiety, you know, because it's, it's, it's like unpacking a, a two bedroom house in a couple of hours, you know? And so I would love to have enough uh, financial wealth that when I get off my RV, there's a, a guy who meets me at the driveway and opens the door and me and my kids can walk out and we can come in the house. And there's a lady in the house and she's already prepared something to eat and we can just sit down and she'll, you know, serve the meal and we can eat. And then when we're done eating, we can go upstairs and she's got the towels out and fresh linen and we can bathe and then we can get in the bed. And while we get in the bed, she's washing you know, the clothes and, you know, he's, he's taking the RV and cleaning it off and then he's driving it to the storage and, you know, and then when we wake up the next morning, she's got breakfast ready. That's where I want to be in three to five years. I want to be right there where I can uh, have enough uh, of a support team uh, that I can rest. Cause we ain't getting no younger, <laughs> you know, we get no damn younger. This age thing is not going in reverse. It's not. No. So, so what we doing today, we're not going to have the strength to do it, you know, five, three to five years from now. And it's so funny because I'm always moving, 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 sticking, sticking, moving. And so I turned 51. 51 said, hey, sit down. <laughs> Go ass over here and sit all the hell the way down. Baby, 51, 51 punched me in the face and loosened my teeth. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I was not ready for 51. 51 gave me high blood pressure. I mean, it was like the next day. I had high blood pressure. I got, I gained 20 pounds. It was just like my hair fell out. I was like, I, I couldn't see. I started, I was like, what is going on with 51? I had to get on high blood pressure medication. I had to change my diet. I had to stop drinking. I was like, I was doing all this stuff just last week. <laughs> so the grind that we put in now, you know, prayerfully, you know, God will bless it and wink at it and, and touch it so that we can keep elevating so that we don't have to keep doing that bottom level grinding anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. that's the good thing about the Star Tribune column and, and, you know, just God enlarging my territory and making my name great is that I don't have to start over when I call people. I don't have to introduce myself, you know, and it's putting me in a position where folks can just call me now. You know, I, I don't have to start with, hey, I'm Shaletta. Um, listen, I, I have a, a great podcasting network. I'd love to advertise your products and services. You know, please give me a chance. I can just say, hey, it's Shaletta. Y'all want to work together? Hey, it's Shaletta. Y'all want me to help y'all, uh, you know, get some folks in the room for you? You need some you need some assistance. And they are more than happy and willing to work with me um, because they know, um, you know, the, the, the um, quality of service that we provide uh, with regard to production and promotion. So, you know, I, I just I'm grateful for that. And I hope that that continues. But outside of Minnesota, you know, more on a national level. Right. You know, Oprah had a Oprah had a 2020 vision tour with Weight Watchers, like right before the pandemic. I mean, when I say right before, it was like right before the pandemic happened. She came to Minneapolis and she had these people on stage with her and, and it's open. So the place is packed. And I'm looking at the people on stage and I was like, I could do that. I could inspire this whole 35,000 folks. Yeah. 
I, I want to be on that stage with Oprah. I want Oprah to call me and be like, hey, girl, it's Oprah. Listen, we're doing this vision tour again. You want to come with us? You want to you wanna join in? That's my goal. 